16 years after the eighth wonder of the world changed cinema history forever, we got a spiritual successor that perhaps will close out and complete an unofficial trilogy. This is Kaiju versus History, Mighty Joe Young. Welcome back, everybody, to Kaiju vs. History, the podcast where we watch, categorize, and rate all the contributions to Kaiju cinema throughout history. My name is Miles, and with me is my best pal, Patrick. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing very well. Doing very well. And I, uh, this is one of the reasons I was very excited to start this podcast and this project with you is to go through some movies maybe skipped over that I've not seen before in the genre. And the original, yeah, I have never seen the original Mighty Joe Young either. Yeah. I'm, and, and despite, um, I know, here we are with another large eight film, my <laughs> personal favorite, number three in a row. Um, I will say that I, I was kind of looking forward to this one because I, I know of the Disney remake from was it 1998? Correct. Yeah. Um, and and my girlfriend's actually a really big fan of of that movie. Um, I don't have any sort of connection or a knowledge of Mighty Joe Young before for doing this. And so I was, as someone who enjoys kind of learning different things about monster movies, I was mm-hmm. really looking forward to actually diving into this one, despite my aversion to eight, eight movies. Well, this is right up your alley, and maybe this will be for our audience as well. This is a cult classic. You know, it's one of those movies that didn't perform extremely well at the time. Insanity. In, I mean, it, it was popular enough uh, with people in the film industry or popular enough of an idea that it got that 1998 reboot. And it, I mean, spoiler for the end of the episode, I think it deserved a lot better than it did at the time. Oh, I, I'm, I am going to... Uh, be out of character a little bit and completely agree with you. 1949 mighty Joe young uh, hits theaters. And uh, you know, I, I, in our little stinger, we talked about it being a spiritual successor. Most definitely is. I think it could have very easily have been a, a, a third Kong movie. Uh, you know, if we wanted it to call really this should have been called like return to skull Island or return of Kong, you, it would have been, Mighty Easy to do. Mighty Joe Kong. How difficult is that? Or Mighty right. Kong Young. <laughs> I honestly, if this was if this was Son of Kong, this would have worked. Yeah, but this this movie uh, we said last week has reboot energy all over it. I feel like they felt bad about how things ended in both King Kong and Son of Kong, and that's where kind of the idea of this movie comes from it's a definitely a, a much more kid friendly uh film than the than the prior two which were made technically before the film's code um you know had anything to say about you know violence and things like that in movies yeah the, the kong was censored but it was self-censored by rko studios um there was actually a right. lot cut out of those films but yeah, here, this is the first kaiju film with the, you know, under the guise of uh, the 
it's not the MPAA at this point, uh, but the, the, the film uh, code that, um, you know, would, would have some things to say about some forms of violence in this film. I think some stuff was cut from it. But well, before we get into that, Patrick, I, I think we have to do one of your favorite things and ask ourselves, what's in a title? Oh, what yeah. are some of the alternative titles that Muddy Joe Young had across the world? Um, <laughs> the alternate English title, Mr. Joseph Young of Africa. I classic. love this. It's it's a basically a hint to how he's referred to in the movie. And yeah. I love that title, except I feel like if his name is, you know, Mr. Joseph Young of Africa, like he needs like a little top hat or something. He gets, he gets a, um, a fez. He gets a fez <laughs> later uh, on in that, the film. That, the, the less said about that demeaning scene, the better. <laughs> <laughs> um, the great gorilla, the king of Africa and Spain and Italy, Germany. I just love German kaiju titles titles so much they're so weird the translations because of just the way the german language works always feel a little off uh in germany this movie was called panic about king kong <laughs> which is like okay it's yeah. a whimsical title too yeah i, I really enjoyed that in denmark the phantom of africa and i don't Pretty know dope. phantom man if that has any meaning outside of like ghosts or things like that here but uh phantom at fra africa in denmark um yeah mighty joe young here in the u.s the character name um the movie name once again in the the vein of king kong uh coming out right after world war ii the film industry is booming at this time as so much of the united states war effort you know really um took a focus away from from a lot of under industries obviously hollywood continued on but now there are you know full workforces and not really restrictions on what kind of films they can make um the academy award winners of that year you had movies like all the king's men and nominees uh like some names you might recognize gregory peck john wayne kirk douglas or all nominated in, in 49 and this film would go on to win an oscar a uh, an oscar for best special effects which did not exist at the time of king kong um but now has you know been an integral part of films for you know the prior 10 15 years and what's a bummer i think to me is at the time i think the producer accepted that award not the people who actually led the special effects yeah yeah and i want to say that in the original King Kong, Willis O'Brien wanted an award for everyone on his team because he obviously had associates and, and things that were working under him. Which is um, how they do it now, I think, don't they? Yes, to to a point for special effects, I believe. Um, they the Academy only wanted to give him one award. As I said last week, it's a team effort, and especially because Willis O'Brien felt like it wasn't be, being paid enough. Uh, he's topping the special effects billing like in Kong and, and Son of Kong. Um, but uh, Ray Harryhausen, the young Harryhausen, did the majority of the stop motion animation for for this film, um, though. A lot That's of these we had the the, uh, the the switch up last week where yeah, I yeah. was thinking he was a first technician on Son of Kong. And it was just because I was mixing up my my monkey movies. Ray Harryhausen uh, did a lot of this, but I should say a lot of the storyboards 
were things that were actually cut from King Kong or ideas that were pitched but deemed kind of too difficult to do at the time. One is one of my favorite scenes from this movie, which is for some reason, a bunch of cowboys in Africa uh, roping up uh, the stand in for King Kong, which is mighty Joe young here. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a weird scene because I, we'll, we'll get to that. Um, all, all the special effects, this movie, uh, as far as the sequences took about 14 months to complete. And we had we got to see this cool picture of Harryhausen with one of the models for Joe, which was about 13 inches tall, so it was a little bit smaller than uh, Kong's model. Mm-hmm. And and speaking of the cowboys, Ben Johnson, who plays the cowboy Greg, was a real life cowboy who wrangled horses in the Howard Hughes film The Outlaw from 1943. Yep. And after that, he switched to acting in front of the camera and was a, a discovery by John Ford. Yep the the line in the movie of you know um are you from texas uh, greg and he you know talks about he's actually from oklahoma and how there's a lot of wrangling (laughs) wrangling to be done in oklahoma as well um you know that that's directly born out of the actor's past um we have i will uh, also say about ben johnson just as a little spoiler uh so far the most likable a romantic interest we've had so far in our our historic <laughs> yeah climb through these movies well there's usually um and and this is another trope which is one of the reasons i think we we decided to do this movie outside of its kind of ties to kong um it does have a, a good deal of the tropes that we will see in character archetypes we'll see in, in further kaiju films uh he's one of the characters that you are able to sympathize with and empathize through uh, in his reaction to the monster, or in this case, the very large gorilla Um, as he is, you know, we get to see him talking to, to Joe and, you know, apologizing for having to lock him up in a cage um, at the, the end of every night. Uh, In addition, um, Jill young is basically the mouthpiece for, for Joe. She's, they're, they're almost like siblings. They grew up together. Um, uh, Terry Moore plays uh, Jill Young in the film from basically age 18, you know, onward. Um, and uh, in researching the history of this movie, she's had one of the longest careers in Hollywood I've, I've ever seen. Still acting in 2021. And that's. Uh, amazing it's uh, phenomenal <laughs> she she had a uh, a cameo role in the first season of true detective <laughs> um and uh you you can look her up she's she's got you know a, a good many acting credits in just the last five years she was a, a partner of of howard hughes she's lived an incredible life and yes. i wonder if she's written a book because i would love to read it yeah that's that's one we're gonna uh get through a lot of actors on the show and as amazing as many of the the japanese korean um uh you know chinese actors are unfortunately not a ton that was written about them is available to us um just the way the kind of the internet (laughs) works uh not speaking that those languages but a whole bunch is is made available through biographies of american actors and actresses um and yeah she's she's just got one of those lives that you can go through imdb and you know really dig into 
one of the 55 living actors from Hollywood's golden age from the, that was born in the um, 20s. Yeah. Yeah. Was she born in 2029. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So she, she is only 20 years old. I think when they're filming this, this, uh, this movie, um, she does a great job and we have returning another tie. Uh, we should mention to the Kong series, uh, Robert Armstrong playing another kind of larger than life character in the form of Max O'Hara. Um, I gotta we- say mm-hmm. he he's so good as Max yeah. O'Hara. He's great. And they also bring through kind of the son of Kong, Carl Denham's redemptive thread. And he is a, he's not really an antagonist in the film, but he is one of the factors that, you know, causes things to go awry, but he kind of makes up for it. You know, he interjects himself. He helps out Joe. I feel like he's an opportunist who also has a conscience because when he, when things start to go a certain way, he doesn't uh, perpetuate the problem. He's like, all right, we got, we got to, we got to help this out. We got, we got to do something. Yeah. And I, I really appreciate that about this character. And I mean, I know we need to get into the, like more of the, the the basic breakdown of the plot for for Mighty Joe Young, but <laughs> I feel like this movie to me, like w- when we did a review about King Kong a couple weeks ago, I talked about how a lot of the emotional resonance of this film that a lot of people have talked about didn't translate for me. However, I feel like maybe it's because of films like Mighty Joe Young, where you can kind of transfer that back on what's saying about the first Kong. This film resonated with me it connected with me i i felt what i i what everyone talks about how they they feel about king kong i get that with this film and we're gonna see that in 2005's kong especially i feel like that kong is has much more in common with mighty joe young than he does with the original king kong i mean just from the way that um peter jackson's kong is much more an actual animal you know walks on his knuckles and has a lot of the the classic kind of gorilla mannerisms um and i think also does something that my joe young especially does which is like hit his hand on the ground beat his fist on the ground which is uh, just you know a small tidbit of like actual gorilla kind of physiology or, or movements that they, they added into mighty Joe young that didn't really exist in the, the previous movies, but they were uh, Harryhausen especially was a fanatic for those realistic details. We're going to see in his mm-hmm. other, other films beyond that. We've got more ties in to King Kong as Ernest B. Uh, Shodzak uh, is the director here. The original story comes from Marion C. Cooper, who wrote and uh, directed King Kong, and Ruth Rose is back to write on the screenplay as well. So it really is a return. It's a third Kong movie. <laughs> to yeah, I mean it's 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 got all the the energy and I mean it's it's almost the exact same plot as the original King Kong. You know, mm-hmm. um, a an adventurer goes to this far off location. Um, uh, he is a film producer, or no, he's, he's building a nightclub and building a nightclub, but they so call they, him like a producer, always, right? Yeah. They, they're always a little weird about what is he actually does. Yeah. And they never, but, they never define it very well. All I really know about him is that he 
he's making a nightclub in Hollywood. Yeah. Yeah. So he's a producer of some sort of like, you know, stage shows or whatever. And he's looking for capturing lions and things in Africa and, and brings along some cowboys, which is, is just a crazy plot in, in the first scenes though, we get to see a young uh, Jill young buying a baby gorilla and uh, uh, some of the shenanigans this, this that go scene. on with that. It, I mean, it's very um, Shirley temple as she it trades a hundred percent is a bunch yes. of stuff. And it's great though. It, it's one of the first, actual live uh gorillas that uh has appeared on film this this adorable baby gorilla and um then we fast forward and the next time we see her she's like 18 years old and joe uh young is she 18 because they do say that she was too young for the contract to hold up yeah she might be she might be even younger than that. I was trying to give this movie some credit, but she could have been, you know, 16 or 17. Actress was like 20 or 19. At the right. Time. But yeah, she's, you know, the caretaker of Joe. Um, her father is passed and she's kind of caring for a farm in equatorial Africa by herself. And when the um, when Kong finds the, the, the caged lions gets Kong? into a. <laughs> yeah, basically King Kong. Uh, when Joe finds the lions, he he's curious about them, and it, it sets off my favorite scene in the movie, which is cowboys versus Kong. Basically, uh, they try to rope Mighty Joe Young. Uh, this is something that was originally uh, the idea for kind of like tying down Kong. It w- was supposed to be in King Kong, but is done maybe only possibly here in 1949 uh technically they they have like a split screen technology that they use in a lot of the movie um which is which is very similar to the reverse uh or, or rear projections um uh silver screen from king kong where the in the bottom of the frame of this scene you have the uh the stop motion joe young and in the top you have um jill young or some uh a cowboy roping down below and the, like the rope goes between these scenes and very believably you see cowboys you know getting pulled off horses by by a, a giant gorilla and things like that and it's something that uh the technical uh aspect that they'll use again and again in this movie sometimes bifurcated down the middle of the scene sometimes um across you know hot dog style across the screen so i one of the things that struck me immediately is I feel like this movie is saying, look what happens when you give us time to actually make a film because, you know, all, a lot of these people, a lot of the creators were involved in son of Kong, which, you know, we talked about last week, how it really failed the character. Whereas here, I mean, when you're given even a decent budget, which this had a, a very generous budget and it looks incredible. The whole sequence of them trying to to capture Joe, and then when Joe has O'Hara and is kind of like yanking him up and down and stuff, yeah, it looks fantastic. I I was blown away by how good and how honestly seamless, even by today's standards, it looked. For as far as practical effects go, it was pretty amazing. Yeah, and that's it's something maybe just the way. Um, I mean, it might just be because of the armature in the model itself and also Ray Harryhausen's great movements of it, but it looks very natural. Um, I will say we do get stop motion lions 
and some people that don't look great. Um, and but they're not on screen very, very long. But anytime Joe Young is on screen, I feel like they have his movements down extremely well. Mm-hmm. They they used a different kind of flock hair on him as well, which one of the uh, you know, one of the, the pitfalls of having a hairy creature is you can see every time someone touches uh, his hair, it kind of like it moves in the stop motion for, for Kong and, and son of Kong that that's reduced here uh, a good deal. Um, just cause I think that it, he, he's a, a shorter hair gorilla. Yeah. Um, so as uh, far as the, the plot, we should probably explain a little bit of what happens. Oh um, yeah. We we're, we're talking about it. <laughs> it's uh, Kong well, I- <laughs> gets taken out of skull Island and, and put into a show <laughs> a Hollywood. Well, show. I mean, the thing is they convinced Joe. To come to LA to go or come to Hollywood and yes. and work for O'Hara. And, and he's like, you'll be famous, you'll have great clothes, you'll eat great food, we'll take care of Joe. Like, cause she's never been out of Africa. Yeah. She's never even left her, I think, her little her little prefecture. So, you know, she's she had read stories and stuff. And so they they appeal to kind of her sense of adventure. And I like that there was no big, like, oh, we've gotta. You know, get up, Kong. <laughs> we gotta get Joe on the boat, and we we go straight to the debut night for my, uh, Mr. Joseph Young, and O'Hara. in the same way that that really smash cuts in the original King Kong to to the opening night in the um, uh, in New York City and the mock up of the Radio City musical. But unlike King Kong, the first the first show goes over extremely well. Yeah, and. Everyone's super excited. O'Hara's over the moon because he's making so much money. And I mean, Jill has fun. Everyone is a little kind of like, well, it's kind of sucks that we have to keep Joe in this big old cage. And he's he seems to put up with it at first. But uh-huh. then we skip to show number 10. And you can see he's clearly like a little depressed, even though the stunts of, of him, like, you know, to, doing a tug of war with like the, t- uh, the 12 strongest men in the world. And what a great scene, by the way. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, it's a little disturbing how hairy some of these guys are, but it's uh, uh, pretty wild. And, and they, one they're of like is, professional actual heavyweight champion. Uh, Primo Carnero was a real live person. Oh, yeah. No, a lot of them were. So, I mean, the, their character names were made up for this film, but these are probably. At least if you're that's what I was saying, Primo Caneros wasn't. Yeah, yeah. But if you're um if you know about heavyweight um boxing or a lot of these guys were wrestlers or strongmen, you might have been able to kind of pick them out. You know, it'd be like if um I don't know, John Cena <laughs> was was on the stage if this was right or something the along Rock. those lines. The Dwayne the Rock Johnson, you know, he, he's called like the Mr. Maui Powie. <laughs> he can well that and like I mean <laughs> Technically, he worked with a, a giant gorilla in Rampage, so yeah, it's not yeah. too far of a of a but throw here. Great scene! Um, you get to see them all like bending. I love this metal scene. bars, and someone like bends a nail, and all kinds of crazy stuff. It just setting up, they're super strong, and they're going to have a tug of war with Joe, um, which I mean is once again one of those super technically proficient parts of the film where they they cut it down the middle of the screen it from the top so to good. bottom. But the rope, like I was looking at the rope like the entire time, trying to see where you know 
<laughs> they switch it over or whatever they did. It's movie magic. Um, well, and, it works and so well. I'll also say um, uh, the director just did such an incredible job, especially within the in the first showcase of Joe in Hollywood. They make a point to like completely showcase that little robot of of how he's holding up. Jill playing the piano and playing the rendition of Beautiful Dreamer, which is what will always calms Joe down. Yeah. They do this great, like 360 look at Joe. And mm-hmm. I mean, it's just such one, such an incredible accomplishment in, in special effects at the time. But it's smart filmmaking because you're showing the audience this, this creature and making it look as legitimate as possible. And yeah. I just I was floored by how well that was done. Not gonna lie, I I mean, if there's a club near me in the 1940s and they said they had like a gigantic gorilla and like lions in in cages and stuff, I'd probably go there. That sounds amazing. Well, right? especially I'd go there know, every Friday talk, night. We talked about this in our Kong episode, uh, the original Kong episode. How you know gorillas were only ne- just recently being part of the mainstream conversation. People were finally seeing gorillas, so this would have been extremely exciting yeah i i'm not sure if any had been in zoos in the united states by the time of kong um you know obviously adult gorillas extremely difficult to capture (laughs) they're super strong and very intelligent um so it uh there were some in zoos but maybe not in the united states at this point there probably were some uh, being raised in in captivity, there but. there were. It looks like San Diego Zoo was uh, raising some starting yeah. in the 30s. Yeah. So, um, but still, uh, still pretty pretty fresh in in people's uh, minds. Absolutely. So I, yeah, I definitely think this is cool. And by by the tenth week of performing, you know, Jill is like Joe's not happy. I'm. I mean, this lifestyle's you know fun for a little bit and all, but I'm. I want to go home. And here is where, you know, O'Hara, as, as far as we've seen, has been this kind of slick, smooth talking, fast, uh, your typical Hollywood agent. So he's like, you know, I hear you. Just give me some time to find a replacement for your act. And we'll, we'll you guys will be go, able to go. Because Greg brings up the fact that the contract's null and void because she's not a, a, a old enough. And so we're, we were immediately met with a transition to the 17th week, which says to the audience, well, they've just kind of kept it going. Maybe he hasn't really looked. And that's where things start to, to turn because Joe is mm-hmm. clearly miserable. And you can see that in the way that Harry Housen has the gorilla's body language in the tricks that he's doing, which oh, are, yeah. have grown more like demeaning and humiliating. Yeah. And this one, I mean, it's, it's pretty hard to watch and you're like, why would she agree to this? But they have her with a, like a, a squeeze box or like a, it's like an organ grinder, an organ grinder and Joe. And I don't remember if he's in a small Apu like vest, but he's got the fez on. <laughs> he just, I think he just has the fez on. And part of this performance is people are supposed to throw bananas at him. No, they're supposed to, uh, or no, they're all giving like coins, coins, but they're like giant, frisbees that they're throwing yeah. on stage and, and if joe them. picks yours up you get free champagne for the night or something with like that yeah and um a couple of drunkards the film's real bad guys uh toss a bottle at him and and anger him to the point where the performance has to be stopped 
short and it goes on. She's, she's unhappy. She talks to Greg about going back and that night, these drunkards get Joe drunk. They, (laughs) which I mean, I know they brought down a couple of bottles and he drank multiple bottles of alcohol, but for a, a girl that it's, size, yeah, it seems like that shouldn't have been enough. He would have to drink like a barrel of, of wine, but he gets drunk, breaks out. And this is the carnage of the end of act two, where the nightclub is like obliterated, destroyed. He starts swinging on things. And, and, and what's great is this, this is superimposed with, a scene of Greg and Jill expressing their feelings for one another and how <laughs> Greg's going to go back to Africa with her. And, and then you have yeah, all this carnage yeah. going on, which, which is, is super, super cool because I know that sounds very juvenile, but like, it's just an incredible set piece. The way this, this oh, club yeah. is just destroyed. And as, the, the as, band is like above the stage in like the treetops of this, this jungle theme. And so he gets climbing up there and like knocking things down. The sides of the club have tigers in lions. or yeah, lions in what is like basically a it's like um, a it's like a zoo cage, basically. A, like a, a zoo cage, cage, but it's like it's long and it runs along the entire wall because I tr- I tried counting them, like how many come out at one point or how many are just running up and down. And there's like 30 lions and yeah, well it's also because it's obviously filmed like their stuff is filmed outside, so it looks like that that zoo just goes back for like miles. <laughs> uh it, um, it's it's pretty interesting. But yeah, he um the originally uh Harryhausen wanted this nightclub scene for there to be, I guess, another regular size gorilla that breaks out and is hurting people and, and Joe has to stop uh, stop him by like fighting him. Um, but that's was scrapped and said we got junk. I think you can't uh, have that scene unless it's another big gorilla. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Uh, They they have the idea of what will make an interesting kaiju movie, which is a giant monster fight, but this really isn't a kaiju movie. It's very much in the line of Kong, but this is really... It does does set up a couple things for, for kaiju movies, especially you know, when you and, and all three Kong movies, because I'm going to consider this one, they do have yeah. Kong fighting other strange creatures. Now, in this one, it's just lions. But um, it's a ton of lions. Though, but yeah, it's a ton out. of lions, which is pretty and, neat. Oh, man, I feel bad for some of these real lions that are there's one that like is thrown Skits. across a room. Yeah, and is trying I, to I, stop itself. I, I felt like there was uh, there are definitely some some pre uh animal code going on there well one Um, thing i I want i do want to talk about is there are some like monster movies that just have a live animal like as the monster oh yeah i kind of want to skip some of those because i'm pretty sure those animals were you know working under terrible conditions well and and again for these pre-k movies we're kind of accepting them but by and large just giant animal movies aren't really what we're looking for in in kaiju cinema yeah, and this is technically a giant animal movie, but I feel like where King Kong it's, it's it's part of it's part of the Kong lineage, and I I, yeah. I agree with the choice of watching these first to kind of see the things that come before well, in terms of our strange beasts of, of cinema. Each step was like one more further on because with Mighty Joe Young, what you get, and I don't feel like you really got in King Kong, was almost a human like ape, you know, mm-hmm. one that was raised by human and. Yeah, it's interesting. It, there's not really a villain in this movie. It's just the nature of having to deal with, you know, 
deal, I, I, deal I with feel like a, a monster in society. Yeah, he, I mean, yeah. he's not supposed to be here, and that's the entire third act is them trying to get him out of the country. Another cool little factoid about this uh, club scene is the first scream you hear is that of Fay Ray. They use stock audio from the original King <laughs> Kong as a kind of tip of the hat. Yes, I feel like that scream is, I mean, comes up in, in a lot of films, but is also, uh, I mean, it's like the Wilhelm scream. Yeah, I was, I, was, I was about to say, it's kind of like a Wilhelm scream. <laughs> they definitely use it in a lot of trailers. It might not show up in the movies, but I think it's in the trailer for the Beast from 20,000 Fathoms. And there's some actors in that trailer as well that don't show up in the movie. Um, but- and so after this, the, the the cops basic or the court tells Jill we got to put this gorilla down. Yeah, which, I, I don't see why they can't just export him again or deport right. him. But yeah, he he caused so much damage and obviously is a potential threat. They don't want to hear about a drunk monkey. <laughs> so there's um the 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 third act of the film, which I, for me personally goes on just a, a bit too long, is the um, another kind of a humorous take of them trying to hide a very large gorilla and moving him and, and I, I had them fun from with the this cops. combi of errors plan to like get the Joe out of the city. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of fun things that happen and a lot of things that, that go wrong and they have to like adapt and to the plan. Uh, I love all of it until it gets to the very end. And oh, they just, oh. They pass they by pass a burning, a burning orphanage. orphanage. <laughs> like all you have to do is like show a scene of like someone in the orphanage, like listening to the radio and like they're scared because they hear a giant monkey is on the loose. They accidentally knock over a candle to like tie it in somehow, you know, but no, this, it's just this orphanage is just, just on fire when they pass it. And it's like, well, well not, not only is it on fire, it, this is a stone building. And this thing is, you would think it was being bombed. <laughs> it goes up pretty quickly and it, it just starts falling apart. And I'm like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. What, yeah. What's going on? This, the way this building looks does not compute to the way it's falling apart. I mean, it made for great, <laughs> a great scenery and the, the, the whole bit where, you know, they're, Jill's going up to save the last two kids, but she doesn't get all of them because she was told the wrong number. And there, there are more kids. And so, Basically, she gets trapped at the top along with Greg and two kids, and Joe climbs up, helps get them down, and then there's one more kid. And so and Greg Joe br- Greg tries oh, to get up there. He lassos the top yep. stone and is getting ready to climb, and the, the building like almost collapses on him. So it's it's only up to Joe. Joe's the only one that can save this kid. There's no fire department to be heard of. Um, At this point, this building has been raging for like. Yeah. I, I mean, again, there are some logical inconsistencies with what's going on here, but I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to forgive it. <laughs> um, but yeah, but it's a, it's a, a frightening scene it is tinted all in red. The, the entirety of it. And unlike monkeys that came before him, he climbs up to a very tall height it's four stories. Then there's like a an attic as well. But the the building seems massive. It seems like a hundred foot tall. <laughs> um, and he uh, climbs onto a tree that starts burning down as well. And it falls. He saves the little girl, I believe, 
Um, but yeah, it has a happy ending. He doesn't die. How hard was that, uh, Marion C. Cooper, to do? <laughs> Just took you three movies to to figure it out. <laughs> yeah, and so when he gets down or when he falls down, the, O'Hara's like, "Oh well, no one's gonna bother. No one's gonna dare to to shoot him now," which is very presumptuous. I mean, <laughs> no one does, but I I would have not have been that confident in that. <laughs> That, that decision making and then we cut to back in new york o'hara's in his office and he gets a little film reel from from jill joe and greg mm-hmm. all just waving it to him and stuff and he's pleases punch and and you can and this is also where you really see this third act what a good guy o'hara actually is mm-hmm. like he doesn't actively want anyone hurt he wants he wants to do the right thing he also just really wants to make money and and his his reaction to getting that video is is kind of the punctuation mark on that and And, it's a great way to end the film with everyone just kind of waving by to the camera yeah and in uh we also see a little bit of like character development for joe because at the very beginning of the movie uh when o'hara and oh he hates him yeah (laughs) first meet them you know he doesn't like them but he's also fed bananas and eats them whole. And at the end of the movie, he's, he's uh, it shows Joe peeling the banana before he eats it, which is like a very small mm-hmm. thing, but obviously is something that because <laughs> it was animated painstakingly 24, like small movements in a second. I mean, that is a conscious decision that Harry has yes. made absolutely for, for the, the character of Joe, which is really we're going to see with the rest of Harryhausen's work is his character is not the director. It's not the writer's character. It is his responsibility for all the movements and design elements and things like that. So before we get into like how we fully feel about the movie, what, what did critics say at the time? Uh, Right. Same thing. You can look up um, some of these reviews on the New York times website. Uh, But yeah, said that as producer and director um, Cooper and, and showed sack, are um, endeavoring in this film to make all the world love or at the very least feel a deep sympathy for their monstrous mechanical gorilla. And I mean, mission accomplished. If that mm-hmm. was their, their goal, I think like we said, retroactively, they're trying to correct course for some of the mistakes they made in the original uh, Kong movies. And this one as a spiritual successor has a very different, tone very different feel and succeeds in a lot of the ways that the originals don't while not a kaiju movie perhaps in total this one that kind of melds with these other two kong films and like i said makes makes a bit of an odd trilogy uh what about, what about uh, variety what they have to say so variety <laughs> they simply said uh, kind of gave it uh, an average review Mm-hmm. Uh, Money Joe Young is fun to laugh at and with, loaded with incredible corn, plenty of humor, and a robot gorilla who becomes a genuine hero. The technical skill of the large staff of experts, led by Willis O'Brien and Ray Harryhausen, gives the robot life. Um, yeah. I'm assuming incredible corn kind of means like like we call it like a popcorn movie now. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it's corny I, in the the sense. Is that is that, is. is that what they're meaning? Is, is, is that it's corny? Is, I, is that? I think so. Um, okay. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, there's a good amount of humor in this as well. I really think Joe Young is probably the most character, characterful gorilla we're going to see maybe until 
Godzilla versus Kong, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, that, that, that goes a long way for me because, you know, the humor here, because you have some absolute maestros putting this together, all the subtle body language, especially in that tug of war, like, Everything just delivers. And it, it's such a bummer that this film was a financial fa- failure for RKO. Yeah, they probably squeezed the last dime they could from, from King Kong, except in a couple of years after this, they would go on to re-release 1933's King Kong worldwide and match almost its initial box office. They'd make, I think, almost as much as this movie would make, like $1.7 million on that re-release. That's wild. Um. But yeah, it's sad that this movie didn't maybe influence um, some later films a little earlier than they did. But that original re-release of King Kong would be one of the major reasons that Toho Studios would try their hand at making their own giant monster movie. Um, Not a huge legacy, unlike what we've we've already said for Mighty Joe Young. It did get a reboot uh, film in 1998 starring... um, a very young uh, Charlize Theron, uh, as well as Bill Paxton, and features a cameo from Terry Moore about 50 years after her initial starring Amazing. role. And I she plays so much. Yeah, one of the uh, first ladies, I think, in the audience that screams um, mm. at, at, uh, at Joe Young, I'm pretty sure. Um, the, the biggest disappointment for me, I think, is that a sequel called Joe Meets Tarzan was planned in 1950. And would have had Muddy Joe Young team up with Tarzan, played by Lex Barker, who had just filmed Tarzan the Slave Girl. And oh. because this movie bombed, we didn't get that. And I I would have loved that. And this would have been the first time, as far as monster movies are concerned, not counting universal monsters, but your giant creatures, mm-hmm. that we would have had a crossover film. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it had been done before, but I, I just, I think, I mean even a King Kong and Tarzan movie, how awesome would that have been? (laughs) But yeah, uh, that if they were going to rush it out in a year's time, maybe it's for the best that it didn't happen. Sure. I still would like to see it though. Yeah. It's one of those lost, lost films that uh, we can speculate on. And I mean, for all intents and purposes with double kind of the um, star power, if you will, that one might've been successful. And sometimes it's not the first outing of a film that really cements it it's the the second one mm-hmm. um when when it gets a, a really good popular sequel but um yeah besides that unfortunately the 1949 mighty joe young pretty forgotten in time um there's a reason i probably i hadn't seen it originally is there's not that many people talking about it today um but i think you should and I think with that, maybe we should go into our, our rating of this film yeah. to, to, to excite people into to revisiting. Our scale that we look at is a 1 to 10. Miles and I are each going to individually rate three different aspects of the movie 1 to 10. And that's our personal enjoyment and kind of reaction to it. Our look specifically at the technical aspects of the film. And then as well in the greater oeuvre of kaiju movies where does this land in legacy emotional evocative responses and and how does it play with with others in the kaiju kitty swimming pool and then we're going to combine our scores at the end and we're going to have a total podcast score um for me 
uh, watchability, enjoyment of this film, I would say it's as enjoyable as King Kong, um, if not a little bit more. Um, it doesn't really scratch the kaiju itch that you might have. But like I said, there's enough tropes there that this definitely feels like a spiritual successor. And for that reason, given it an eight out of 10. Um, but yeah, you can still watch this movie today, I think, and get a lot out of it. Miles? So for me, I was utterly charmed by this film. I thought mm. that the the cast was was really solid. I thought there was a good emotional payoff. I got a couple little creature battles and, and a, a pleasing ending, especially because of the last two <laughs> Kong movies have have murdered the giant ape. I, I was very much happy with how this whole thing played out, even though the, the orphanage scene makes almost no sense. It's still really thrilling to see Joe become the hero and save the kids as well as Jill. And I, I, I was over the moon about this movie. I, like I said before, I, I got the, the emotional resonance that people talk about having with Kong. And mm-hmm. for that reason, I'm giving it a nine out of 10. For the technical aspects from writing to directing, uh, the pacing of this movie, especially maybe not going into the third act, but definitely the first couple uh, and the special effects, this surpasses Kong in many aspects. Mm-hmm. And at the time, I think is really the pinnacle of, of special effects, especially in that art form of stop motion animation. Um, some elements were, though, just on par with a movie that came out 16 years before 1933's King Kong. So not it doesn't surpass that, but it's right on that level. And, and for that reason, I gave it a nine out of 10 for technical. So um, I'm right there with you in terms mm. I, I think uh, in terms of special effects, it definitely surpasses Kong for me. I think this movie looks incredible. And and not that, oh, this is so much better. It's, it's improved upon what was being done in 1933. And, and that means a lot. However, I as much as I had an absolute ball with this movie, I do agree the script could use some, some tightening up. There were some scenes that went on a little longer than they needed to. And I felt that uh, while all the main characters were perfectly enjoyable, I felt everyone just felt a little... A little little stock and sometimes that took me out of the movie especially the three drunk jackasses why Um, why didn't they get their comeuppance i wanted them i'm 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 so bad that that didn't happen (laughs) Uh, but that said i'm giving it a nine out of ten um because despite the there being a a couple script issues they were nowhere near uh bad enough to really dock it really any further than that it just isn't perfect Mm -hmm. and everything else about this movie just works so well for me I wish there was more of a, a legacy for the film. The the thing with you know Joe Young's size is that he's not really able to play with other kaiju very well. A, a, a Tarzan movie would have been perfect, but as a spiritual successor to King Kong and as kind of a capstone on a trilogy of early kaiju movies, um, this redeems a lot of the negatives that uh, we might have felt of, of the previous films, especially son of Kong. And for that mo- uh, reason, I gave us pretty high marks as, as far as where it stands in the genre. Uh, I gave it a, a seven out of 10 for cultural significance. For, for me, in terms of my emotional response to the movie, I, it, like I said, it touched me in a way that neither Kong movie did 
prior and out of all the pre-K gorilla moves we've seen so far, I think it really just completely delivers the the adventure and the the hero that you want out of your title character. Mm. And while it does not have the, I would say, popularity as its spiritual cousin, I mean, I do think that while it, yeah, it had a, a popular Disney remake and you know, people do know the name of the movie. It's just, is not what it's talked about again, as far as an emotional response, I'm still giving this a nine. I mean, this is nine dollar board for me. I was so impressed by this film. And so, like I said, completely under its spell that Mm -hmm. I mean, for, for me outside of, you know, maybe some more recent forays in the 21st century into Kong, it's definitely my favorite gorilla movie of the era. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can see that. And and for that reason, we're going to, because I think our uh, final scores are going to split to 8.5. I'm going to bump it up to a nine for our, our final kind of podcast because it was a very positive experience. And I think, yeah, I think it really should be as far as at the very least the tactical aspects spoken about in the same vein as King Kong, the original, um, the movie that everyone loves so much. It's right up there. I completely agree, and I'm 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 thrilled that that we are we are going to have uh, Mighty Joe Young getting a nine out of ten for mm. the official podcast rating. Um, yeah, I mean it's not perfect. It is great though, and in, and for a at this point a seventy two year old film, it's so watchable. Mm-hmm. It's unbelievably yeah. watchable. And it's black and white, and I'm saying that even though some black and white films are a little difficult for me. It looks beautiful. Uh, anyway, that's going to do it for this week's episode. Uh, be sure to to give this one a try and tell us what you think about it on Twitter at Kaiju versus History. Email us with any comments or concerns or questions you might have. Kaiju facts at Kaiju versus History at gmail.com. And go to our website, figure out what we are doing in our next installment uh, at kaijuversushistory.com. Uh, watch the movie before you listen to our review and, and dive into the history. Um, that's going to do it, uh, Miles and listeners. Thank you so much. Uh, we're going to catch you next time when, oh boy, we are deep diving yeah we are (laughs) into another film uh underwater uh one might say very far underwater as our next episode is indeed going to go into the history versus the beast from twenty thousand fathoms